Hi everyone, welcome once again to Dan 1132. I'm Jim Wittavine. It's good to be here with you once again. This is episode 94. And in this episode, I'm going to be continuing the, the Pride Month focus. And I'm going to be speaking about someone named John Money. John Money is a name you've probably heard of. Uh, if you've watched Matt Walsh's documentary or read his book, What is a Woman? He, he speaks or writes about John Money. Uh, as one of the uh, founding fathers of the transsexual, transgender movement. And this episode is going to be audio only, so uh, I can't record video and look at things on my iPad at the same time. So there's uh, a couple of articles and uh, a book and uh, another book that I'm going to be citing in this episode. So I decided to make it only audio. It doesn't, I don't think it makes much difference. Either you look at me or uh, you just listen and uh, there's not a lot to see, so that's fine. Uh, so just to explain why this is only audio. So I'm going to talk about John Money. John Money, uh, born in 1921 died in 2006 and according to the wikipedia entry for john money uh, he was a new zealand american psychologist sexologist and professor at johns hopkins university known for his research on human sexual behavior and gender and that reminds me uh, that this uh, the material that i'm going to be discussing in this episode is uh, uh, certainly not suitable for children i don't think uh, there's <laughs> i don't think there's many children who are regularly listening to the podcast anyways, but uh, just in case you have uh, young ears, there's probably going to be some stuff here that would be better avoided by children. So a little bit more from uh, the Wikipedia entry, just to, to let you know who John Money was. Uh, working with endocrinologist Claude Midgian, Money established the Johns Hopkins Gender Identity Clinic the first clinic in the United States to perform sexual reassignment surgeries. Money advanced the use of more accurate terminology in sex research, coining the terms gender role and sexual orientation. Despite widespread popular belief, Money did not coin the term gender identity. Money pioneered drug treatment for sex offenders in order to extinguish their sex drives, he began testing anti-androgen medications on offenders as early as 1966, which yielded successful results. Uh, and then the next paragraph talks about some of the, uh, well, in particular, the, uh, the main issue uh, or the main uh, scandal surrounding John Money, which really tells a lot about his work and, and about what kind of person he was. Starting in the 1990s, the work and research conducted by Money has been subjected to significant academic and public scrutiny. A 1997 academic study criticized Money's work in many respects, particularly in regard to the involuntary sex reassignment of the child David Reimer and Money's sexual abuse of Reimer and his brother when they were children. Some of Money's sessions involved Money forcing the two children to perform sexual activities with each other, which Money then photographed. David Reimer, who is the subject of that study, and we'll hear more about, more about him, lived a troubled life, eventually committing suicide at 38. His brother died of an overdose at age 36. So what's happened? Well, along the lines, well, the uh, Johns Hopkins Gender, Gender Identity Clinic, founded, established by Money and uh, Claude Midgen, uh, is obviously 
growing in status and stature in the world and uh, the movement for transgenderism and transsexualism and uh, sex change uh, processes, surgeries, and uh, the kind of processes that, that even children are going through in terms of the uh, medical side of things continues. So Munney as a pioneer in this area and his works as a basis of the transgender, transsexual movement uh, continues. Money's writing has been translated into many languages and includes around 2,000 articles, books, chapters, and reviews. He received around 65 honors, awards, and degrees in his lifetime. And the, the article on Wikipedia goes on, but what I wanted to do was to go to an actual article written, published by John Money. And it was published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior, Volume 4, Number 1, which was published in 1975. And the title of the article is Ablatio Penis, Normal Male Infant Sex Reassigned as a Girl. And what's important about this article is that it deals with that case, that uh, the case of David Reimer. So first of all, we're going to hear John Money in 1975, uh, dealing with this case when David Reimer was nine years old. And what it says in the, the summary of the article at the beginning, uh, 45 cases of genetic males were assigned and habilitated as females, 43 because of a congenitally defective penis, micropenis with or without hypospadias, and two because of infantile ablatio penis, which means that it gets cut off. Uh, one of the latter has, has an identical twin brother as a control. This is David Reimer that we now know. Now nine years old, she has differentiated a female gender identity in marked contrast to the male gender identity of her brother. Some of the other patients are now adolescent or adult in age. They demonstrate that the twin can expect to be feminine in erotic expression and sexual life. Maintained on estrogen therapy, she will have normal feminine physique and a sexually attractive appearance. She will be able to establish motherhood by adoption. The first, I'm going to skip over the first part of the article, and I'm going to go directly to the, the case study. He begins by saying, the extreme unusualness of this case of sex reassignment in infancy lies in the fact that the child was born a normal male and an identical twin without genital malformation or sexual ambiguity. So it was a, a perfectly normal boy. Uh, the idea of sex reassignment would never have been entertained were it not for surgical mishap at the age of seven months, in which the penis was ablated flush with the abdominal wall. This is a, a horrible story. It's kind of just it's disturbing to even read it. But the mishap occurred when a circumcision was being performed by means of electrocautery. The electrical current was too powerful and burned the entire tissue of the penis, which necrosed and sloughed off. So they, the parents were desperate to know what to do, and uh, they were put in touch with John Money. And John Money, when he heard about this story, he jumped at it because right away, this is a, a perfect test subject. One of a pair of twins, you could uh, change this boy into a girl and have uh, his brother continue as a boy 
And so you have that, the, the, the control group and you can do your scientific tests and, and, uh, or s supposedly scientific tests between quotation marks uh, to prove your theories, which is exactly what John Money did. His, his theory was that gender and gender identity is something that's malleable and something that can be changed. It doesn't depend on your biological sex. Does that sound familiar? Now, if it sounds familiar, it's because he's one of the fathers of this movement of gender identity and, and the idea that you can uh, choose your gender identity and that there's a, a whole mixture of different identities that have nothing to do with your biological sex. So he saw this and, and uh, he uh, got in touch with this family or the family got in touch with him and they, he followed up with them. And in, in this, uh, the article, he says, during the follow-up time of nearly nine years since surgery, the parents have kept in close contact with me, making visits on an annual basis to get psychological support and guidance. The mother's observations and reports have provided an insight into changes in her rearing practices toward the sex reassigned child and into the different way that she rears this child as compared with the twin brother talks about changes in clothes and the hairdo, uh, the sense of neatness of this, uh, the boy who was uh, changed into a girl, David Reimer. He cites the mother who says, she likes for me to wipe her face. She doesn't like to be dirty. And yet my son is quite different, the twin brother. I can't wash his face for anything. She seems to be daintier. Maybe it's because I encourage it. Elsewhere in this same recorded interview, the mother said, one thing that really amazes me is that she is so feminine. I've never seen a little girl so neat and tidy as she can be when she wants to be. She is very proud of herself when she puts on a new dress or I set her hair. She just loves to have her hair set. She could sit under the dryer all day long to have her hair set. She just loves it. So it goes on and uh, I've highlighted a couple of sections. Here, re, re, one of the things that he says is this, rehearsal of future roles can also be seen in girls' and boys' toy preferences. The girl, in this case, wanted and received for, uh, for Christmas dolls, a dollhouse, and a doll carriage, clearly related to the maternal aspects of the female adult role, while the boy wanted and obtained a garage with cars and gas pumps and tools, part of the rehearsal of the male role. His father, like many men, was very interested in cars and mechanical activities. And then he goes on to speak about some more of the, the differences between the two. The girl, he admits, had many tomboyish traits, such as abundant physical energy, a high level of activity, stubbornness, and being often the dominant one in a girl's group. Her mother had tried to modify her tomboyishness. And a quote from the mother, Of course, I've tried to teach her not to be rough. She doesn't seem to be as rough as him. Of course, I discourage that. I teach her more to be polite and quiet. I always wanted those virtues. I never did manage, manage, but I'm going to try to manage them to my daughter to be more quiet and ladylike. From the beginning, the girl had been the dominant twin. By the age of three, her dominance over her brother was, as her mother described it, that of a mother hen. The boy, in turn, took up for his sister if anyone threatened her. And then he continues to say that the twins are now nine years old. It was over a year ago on the occasion of their annual visit to the hospital that the girl told me of her visit the preceding year to the Washington Zoo and of her fascination with the monkeys. 
Thereupon, I resorted to the standard question of which animal she'd want to be if she could change into one. She elected to be a monkey, because a monkey can climb and swing on its arms. Would you want to be a boy monkey or a girl monkey? I asked. A girl one, she replied, and gave as the reason for this choice, I'm already a girl. We'll we'll hear more about this in uh, a book that was written about this case. And so for the future, for young David Reimer being raised as a girl, nine year, writing nine year, when he was nine years old, Money says this in his conclusion. Eventually, she will be in, in, inevitably be told about her medical history, which is too well known by relatives for a realistic expectation of permanent secrecy. No one else knows that she is the child whose case they read of in the news media at the time of the accident, nor would they ever conjecture. Her behavior is so normally that of an active little girl and so clearly different by contrast from the boyish ways of her twin brother that it offers nothing to stimulate one's conjectures. So that was nine years into Money's study of David Reimer and his twin brother and what he did to uh, change David Reimer ostensibly into a girl and to encourage his parents to do the same thing. And that was Money's report of the the situation of what happened with David Reimer. The problem is that it's basically pretty much totally made up. So when we go to another source, uh, and this is a book that was written a number of years later, and the title of the book is As Nature Made Him. The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl. The author of the book is John Colapinto. And he also published an article in Rolling Stone back in the day when Rolling Stone was still interested in publishing articles of uh, actual journalism. So what he starts off, the author starts out by talking uh, and citing John Money in, in 1955. He, John, and, and he quotes John Money as saying this, From the sum total of hermaphroditic evidence, he wrote in 1955, the conclusion that emerges is that sexual behavior and orientation, or as male or female, does not have an innate instinctive basis. In place of a theory of instinctive masculinity or femininity, which is innate, inborn, so you are, you are male or you're female, you're masculine, you're feminine, The evidence of hermaphroditism lends support to a conception that, psychologically, sexuality is undifferentiated at birth and that it becomes differentiated as masculine or feminine in the course of the various experiences of growing up. So the author explains, in short, money was advancing a view that human beings form a sense of themselves as boy or girl according to whether they are dressed in blue or pink given a masculine or feminine name, clothed in pants or dresses, given guns or Barbies to play with. Many years later, Money would describe how he arrived at some of his more radical theories of human sexual behavior. And quotes Money, I frequently find myself toying with concepts and working out potential hypotheses, he mused. It is like playing a game of science fiction. And, uh, and as history shows that's uh, that's pretty much the uh, the kind of mad scientist's work that he did 
So back to the, the actual story of David Reimer. Now, David became Brenda. And what was the, the reality of life between the twins? Uh, so Brian was the brother, uh, and Brenda was the, the new David. Uh, and I'm going to quote a, a few paragraphs from this book. It says, Brenda had always tried to co-opt Brian's toys and clothes, a habit that would invariably initiate fights. There were knock-down, drag-out wrestling matches all the time, Janet says, the mother. Brian was a weakling compared to Brenda. She was wiry. More often than not, Brenda won. Poor Brian felt so bad getting beat up by a girl. Ron and Janet were troubled by Brenda's masculine behavior, but having been admonished by Dr. Money not to entertain any doubts about their daughter, they felt that to do so would only increase the problem. Instead, they tried to focus on those moments when Brenda's behavior could be construed as stereotypically feminine. She could be sort of feminine sometimes when she wanted to please me, Janet says. She'd be less rough, keep herself clean and tidy and help a little bit in the kitchen. In her letters to Dr. Money describing Brenda's progress, Janet made sure to emphasize those moments so that the psychologist would know that Janet and Ron were doing everything they could to implement his plans. She also informed Money of their daughter's masculine leanings, but the psychologist assured her that this was mere tomboyism. This was an explanation that Janet found comforting, and she would cling to it for many years to come. I've seen all kinds of women in my life, she says, and some of them you'd swear they were men. So I thought, well, maybe it won't be a problem, because there are lots of women who aren't very effeminate. Maybe it could work. I wanted it to work. Ron and Janet's parents were struck by Brenda's behavior. When a girl would come to play with her, says Ron's mother Helen, she would not play like a girl, and then she would say to her mother that she wanted the girl to go home. I noticed it when she had a fight with a boy across the street, said Janet's mother, Betty. This boy tried to beat her up, and Brenda beat back. So there's a little bit more of a realistic personal account of what life was like for this young boy. Dr. Money made it said that this this process needed to happen early the process of sex reassignment so removing the testicles uh, constructing feminine external genitals uh, and then at age 11 or 12 being given female hormones and the author says if dr money seemed to be in a hurry he was he explained to ron and janet that they would have to make up their minds quickly for according to one of the finer points of his theory, the gender identity gate, money's term for that point after which a child is locked into an identity as male or female, comes at two and a half to three years of age. Bruce was now 19 months. The child was still young. Well, Bruce, by the way, was, was David Reimer's uh, birth name. So his name was, birth, was Bruce. So not to confuse things, after he returned to being uh, a boy or a young man, uh, he changed his name to David, uh, just to clear up any confusion. So Bruce, David, was now 19 months. The child was still young enough so that whichever assignment was made, erotic interest would almost certainly direct itself toward the opposite sex later on, Money wrote, but the time for reaching a final decision was already short. Dr. Mel Grumbach a pediatric endocrinologist at the University of California, San Francisco, and a world authority on the subject, 
says that Money's Twins case was decisive in the universal acceptance not only of the theory that human beings are psychosexually malleable at birth, so they, they, can, they can be changed. Malleable is like they're like clay, so they can be formed and changed. Uh, so his, his case, his twin's case, was, uh, was very important for this idea, but also of sex reassignment surgery as treatment of infants with ambiguous or injured genitalia. Once confined principally to Johns Hopkins, the procedure soon spread and today is performed in virtually every major country with the possible exception of China. While no annual tally of infant sex reassignments has ever been made, one physician conservatively estimates that three to five cases of babies with incongruous genitalia requiring sex change crop up annually in every American, major American city, giving the United States alone a total of at least 100 such operations a year. Globally, that figure could be as high as a thousand a year. So very, very small numbers. This is something that, that money focused on, children born with ambiguous genitalia. And, and you often hear about intersex and the, the, the intersex or, or hermaphroditic people who are, are born neither male nor female. It's an extremely small percentage of the population. Obviously, John, Johns Hopkins and and all of these other clinics have moved on from just doing the, uh, the transition, the surgery, and the hormone treatments for those with the ambiguous uh, genitalia, but have decided in, in previous years uh, to make this and develop this into a full, uh, full-on industry, uh, the sex change industry. Now, as for Money's own experience with the twins, so remember in the article he said uh, how on a yearly basis he would get together and he had this conversation with, uh, with young David about uh, whether he would be a boy monkey or a girl monkey. Uh, and according to the twins, according to David and his brother, Brian, uh, Money had two sides of his personality. And this is where the story gets really horrendous, actually. That, John Money was a horrible person in, in a number of ways. And this, this, this part here is pretty disturbing, so I, I'm going to warn you in advance. So he had two sides of his personality, one when mom and dad weren't around, Brian says, and another when they were. When their parents were present, Money was avuncular, mild-mannered. Alone with the children, he could be irritable or worse, especially when they defied him. They were particularly resistant, the twins say, to Money's requests that they remove their clothes and inspect each other's genitals. David recalls an occasion when he attempted to defy the psychologist. He told me to take my clothes off, David says, and I just did not do it. I just stood there. And he screamed, now, louder than that. I thought he was going to give me a whooping. So I took my clothes off and stood there shaking. In a separate conversation with me, Brian recalls the same incident. Take your clothes off now, Brian shouts. And the author continues, though the children could not know this, the genital inspections that Dr. Money demanded they perform were central to his theory of how children develop a sense of themselves as boy or girl. And thus, in Money's mind, crucial to the successful outcome of Brenda's sex reassignment. For as Money stressed in his writings of the period, the firmest possible foundations for gender schemas are the differences between male and female genitals and reproductive behavior, a foundation our culture strives mightily to withhold from children. 
All young primates explore their own and each other's genitals, masturbate, and play at various movements in copulation. And that includes human children everywhere, as well as subhuman primates. The only thing wrong about these activities is not to enjoy them. End of quote. And I wanted to check out, I have a couple of books by John Money, and I've got one book called Gay, Straight, and In Between, The Sexology of Erotic Orientation. And this book was published in 1988. And just to uh, reiterate or reinforce what this, uh, this uh, uh, quote or uh, explanation of Money's idea says, in this book, Gay, Straight, and In Between, Money writes this, and in our own society, he writes, children are consistently deprived of access to explicit examples of copulation. And he, find, he finds this terrible. Except surreptitiously, they have no exposure to copulatory identification and complementation exemplars or models whom they might emulate for gender dimorphic copulatory success. Ah, boy. Their own copulatory play improvisations are vituperatively abused and traumatically penalized. Unless they are fortunate enough to have unorthodox parents or guardians who approve of the premonitory signs of their copulatory heterosexuality, they are extravagantly punished and humiliated for showing explicit signs of being heterosexual with their sex organs. At the same time as they are victims of punishment and humiliation for being heterosexual, the evidence of their senses is that there is less supervision and policing of occasions and opportunities for boy-boy or girl-girl sexual rehearsal play. He says that there are some children who are fortunate enough to have unorthodox parents or guardians who approve of this kind of sexual play. And he encouraged... Uh, David Reimer and his twin brother to engage in this sexual play in front of him while taking pictures. If this strikes you as being normal scientific behavior, um, it strikes me as being somewhat different. And, it, and it's very reminiscent of what I've spoken about before, Wilhelm Reich, the author of the book The Sexual Revolution, and uh, I mention him, and I speak about him in depth in, in my book. And he was one of the, the fathers of the sexual revolutions in the early 19, in 1900s. And he also was a child abuser, just like John Money. So the author of the book about uh, David Reimer says, the children did not enjoy these enforced activities, which Money thought were so beneficial and and it's so unfortunate when children don't have the opportunity to do this. They didn't like it, particularly those involving play at thrusting movements and copulation. Excuse me. Uh, I, I feel like I, I need to read this, even though it's, uh, it's not... It, these are the kinds of things that shouldn't even be spoken about, but it needs to be explained and it needs to be revealed. And it's, it's something that we need to understand in order to know where all of this is coming from. But to continue, which Brian recalls that Dr. Money first introduced when the twins were six years old. Money, he said, says, would make Brenda, so David, uh, assume a position and make Brian, I'm skipping some parts here, come up behind her and, and uh, 
do different things with Brenda laying on her back, Brian lying on top of her, Dr. Money taking Polaroid pictures of them while they're engaged in this form of therapy. It's absolutely disgusting and it's very disturbing. Uh, and this is the hero of the transsexual movement, or you know, maybe not the hero anymore, but the, you know, one of the founding fathers. In 1977, the author continues, in an interview with the pornographic magazine Genesis, Money vented his frustration against the prohi prohibition against childhood sexual rehearsal play and a psychologist's right to observe it. Quote, the number of studies of the effects of depriving human infants and juveniles of sexual rehearsal play is exactly and precisely zero, he said, because anyone who tried to conduct such a study would risk imprisonment for contributing to the delinquency of minors or for being obscene. Just imagine the headlines and the fate of a research grant application requesting funds to watch children playing uh, expletive removed uh, here, uh, this type of games. He sounded the same theme in a 1984 speech, lamenting that it was a crime for a sexologist to make a pictorial record of children's normal, healthy sexual rehearsal play. In return to this theme in psychology today, when he showed a book with pictures of young children engaged in sexual intercourse to interviewer Constance Holden and said, you have just become a criminal by looking at those pictures of children. So he said in uh, an episode of the Canadian TV show, The Originals, it has become very obvious to me that sexual rehearsal play is part of nature's absolute intention in order to allow children to grow up to be sexually normal. So Dr. Money had a very twisted idea of appropriate behavior with children and what was appropriate for children to learn and what was appropriate for children to experience and what was appropriate for a medical professional to do with children. Now there was backlash and there was backlash from uh, people who spoke out about their experiences of sex changes uh, which did not go well like David like David Reimer and uh, uh, which did not go according to the plans of money and others like him who uh, wanted so desperately to believe that these sex changes would work perfectly that gender identity is not innate and is no way linked with biological sex but Many have spoken out against it, including in, uh, in Matt Walsh's book, What is a Woman? Uh, one of the people that he interviews has spoken out against it very strongly. The medical establishment's refusal to listen to those intersexes who have elected to speak about their experiences is no surprise to Cheryl Chase, who is one of those, those people. And she says, our position implies that they have unwittingly at best and through willful denial at worst, spent their careers inflicting a profound harm from which their patients will never fully recover, Chase once wrote. She says that she does not expect the medical establishment to change its practices unless forced. Chase plans to force them. I think the context will open up for surgeons who keep doing this to be vulnerable to lawsuits, she told me. But it's going to take a while to create that context. Right now, we can't sue because it's standard practice and parents give permission. The first thing we want to have happen 
is that when they make their recommendation to parents, they tell them it's experimental and there's no evidence that it works and there's plenty of people who have, who've had it done to them who are mad as expletive deleted. But those voices are not heard and those voices are often silenced. And that's what's happening in terms of the, the, the narrative which is controlling the, the public discussion. Now what, it, what ended up happening to David Reimer, we've already mentioned that, and I'm just gonna go back to the, the Wikipedia entry just to, to summarize it. In the Wikipedia entry, it says both Reimer and Brian, his twin brother, were traumatized by the therapy. Brian spoke, spoke about it only with the greatest emotional turmoil. David was unwilling to speak about the details publicly. At 14 years old and in extreme psychological agony, David Reimer was finally told the truth by his parents. He chose to begin calling himself David and he went, underwent surgical procedures to revert the female bodily modifications or mutilations. Despite the pain and turmoil of the brothers for decades, money reported on Reimer's progress as the John Joan case, describing apparently successful female gender development and using this study to support the feasibility of sex reassignment and surgical reconstruction, even in non-intersex cases. By the time this deception was discovered, the idea of a purely socially constructed gender identity and infant intersex medical interventions had become the accepted medical and sociological standard. David Reimer's case came to international attention in 1997 when he told his story to Milton Diamond, an academic sexologist who persuaded Reimer to allow him to report the outcome in order to dissuade physicians from treating other infants similarly. Soon after, Reimer went public with his story, and John Colapinto, that is the book that I was citing, published a widely disseminated and influential account in Rolling Stone magazine in December 1997. This was later expanded into the New York Times best-selling biography, As Nature Made Him, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl, published in 2000, in which Colapinto described how, contrary to Money's reports, when living as Brenda, Reimer did not identify as a girl. He was ostracized and bullies, bullied by his peers who dubbed him Cavewoman, and neither frilly dresses nor female hormones made him feel female. In July of 20, 2002, Brian was found dead from an overdose of antidepressants. In May 2004, David committed suicide by shooting himself in the head with a sawed-off shotgun at the age of 38. According to his mother, he had recently become depressed after losing his job and separating from his wife. Well, what was Money's resp response to the expose? Well, he argued that the media response was due to right-wing media bias and the anti-feminist movement. There, there you go. Right-wing media bias and the anti-feminist movement. This sounds pretty familiar. He said his detractors believed masculinity and femininity are built into the genes so women should get back to the mattress in the kitchen. And there's a non sequitur. It doesn't follow. Masculinity and femininity are built into the genes. So what's, what's the, the conclusion that he draws from it or that he attributes to other people? Women should get back to the mattress and then the kitchen, which is a, a typical, a typical and, and, and there's other places in Money's writing, and, and we've already encountered some, where he makes that kind of statement, a, a false dichotomy. 
However, the Wikipedia article continues, intersex activists also criticized money, stating that the unreported failure had lead, led to the surgical reassignment of thousands of infants as a matter of policy. Privately, Morty, money was mortified by the case, colleagues said, and as a rule did not discuss it. Researcher Mar Marianne Case wrote that money made fraudulently deceptive claims about the malleability of gender in certain patients who had involuntarily undergone sex reassignment surgery and that this fueled the anti-gender movement. One final thing, just, just in case this wasn't already enough, the uh, last paragraph in the Wikipedia article, Opinions on Pedophilia. Money participated in debates on chronophilias, especially pedophilia. He stated that both sexual researchers and the public do not make distinctions between affectional pedophilia and sadistic pedophilia. Colopinto reported that money told Paidika, a Dutch journal of pedophilia, quote, if I were to see the case of a boy aged 10 or 12 who's intensely attracted toward a man in his 20s or 30s, if the relationship is totally mutual and the bonding is genuinely totally mutual, then I would not call it pathological in any way. So for those who say there is no slippery slope, the slippery slope is there. The slippery slope is very steep and the slippery, we're, we're well down our way down that slippery slope. And we've seen over the past generation how that, where that slope has led us and where it's continuing to lead us and where it will continue to lead us unless there is a very strong and uh, concerted and coordinated backlash and uh, response to this. And I, I do see that, thankfully, I see that response happening and, uh, and people are, are taking action in these areas. But I think it's important for us, despite the, the disturbing nature of uh, this discussion, especially the discussion of John Money and the David Reimer case, and, and just what kind of person John Money was, just a, a horrible, horrible person by all accounts, uh, and, and the results of his studies and where that has led. I think it's important for us to, to know where these things have come from, as always, to know the process that has brought us into the place where where this social contagion of sex reassignment and the celebration of transgender, the, the, the addition of the LGBTQ plus 2S, etc., etc., where these things come from. Well, where does that T come from? Why is it that this transgender movement is being pushed so strongly? And, and why are so many teenagers, adolescents, especially adolescent girls, now suddenly deciding that they're the opposite sex or the sex that is not the sex that they were born with. And why is there this movement to have pride in these things? When you look at the roots of the transgender, the whole transgender movement, when you look at John Money, when you look at his philosophy, when you look at where that leads, when you look at his practice and his person, the way he, the, the kind of man that he was, disgusting and this is this is one of the founders of the movement so we, him along with Wilhelm Reich in the early 20th century in the mid 20th century Alfred Kinsey those who followed on all of these people with their perversions and wanting to promote their perversions 
and, and make their perversions acceptable in society and being promoted by the, the intellectual and the power elites. It's, it's, it's shocking and it's disturbing. It's, it's not surprising. We know that this life is characterized by a battle and that Satan has his, uh, the people that he uses as his tools and he uses them in various ways to, to lead people astray. But I think we need to be very, very cognizant of where this stuff comes from and, and the agenda that's behind this. And because oftentimes it's painted in such compassionate colors, you know, the, the, your, your child will, will commit suicide if, if he doesn't get to become a she because uh, so, so many uh, negative results happen in people's lives when they're not able to express their gender as they really are. So it's all painted in very compassionate and loving terms. But the facts bear out that that is far, far, far from being the truth. And the so-called scientific evidence and, and the social sciences are so often like this. And we'll see some more examples. I think we're also going to, I'm going to continue to speak about a similar issue uh, next week and, and to, uh, to finalize this, uh, the, the, the Pride Month discussions the uh, pride goes before the fall month discussions. Uh, but when you, when you see the results, when you see the, the agendas, and when you see how all of these things are working together and the damage that it causes, this is, uh, this is the front lines of the battle. And this is where we need to, in the words of Daniel 11, verse 32, stand firm and take action. And remember, male and female he created them. So I'm going to stop here. This has already become a longer episode than uh, what I've normally been doing lately. And uh, I hope you found this helpful. And if you do uh, find it helpful, please do pass on the link to the Rumble channel uh, and also to the audio podcast. And uh, please do share that and pass it on. Uh, you can also check out my website, www.dan1132.com. And if you're interested in getting a copy of my book, How in the World Did We Get Here? You can find it there on the website in hardcover format or in an audiobook. And you can get in touch with me via the contact form on the website. So until next time, may God bless you. May God help us to stand firm and to take action in the face of such horrific, abusive, just plain evil uh, being disguised as scientific, enlightened, uh, loving, and compassionate activity. And if you want to do further research, there's plenty of stuff available on John Money. Jordan Peterson recently did a show on John Money several months ago. And as I mentioned, Matt Walsh has already talked about, has also talked about John Money and his story, if you want to know, know more about the David Reimer story in particular. Until next time, may God bless you. May God help us all to stand firm and to take action.